MSW Media. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. Well, this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Greetings, fellow humans, fellow self-quarantiners. I'm coming at you from inside a highly fortified bunker somewhere in Venice, California. Hope wherever you are, you're safe and healthy. Yes, the damn quarantine continues, but that didn't stop me from lining up a special guest for this episode. I've been telling stories on the last few episodes, but I figured I had to get somebody else to talk to me. And and in just a little bit, I'm going to be chatting up my old pal, Aisha Tyler. Uh, we're going to be doing a little FaceTime chat. And uh, that's the way we do it now for the foreseeable future. But I'm really excited. Aisha and I used to work together back in the day. I'll tell you all about that. And uh, that's exciting. Um, a couple of things to tell you about right now. Um, I, I'm going to be doing my regular uh, spot guest appearance on the Adam Carolla show. I think it's going to air next Friday, April 10th. And I'm going to be, uh, we're going to be virtually tasting, not going to be in the studio together. We'll be doing it from our own little pods, but all of us, Adam, Gina, and Brian, and I are going to be drinking, we're going to try a tequila, a bourbon, a gin, and a something else. I can't remember. Um, something, oh, a rum. That's right. So that's next Friday on the Adam Carolla Show. Uh, also, I'm doing this uh, last night or whenever, I don't know when you're listening to this, but this week I did the first of what will be a weekly live stream happy hour again for the foreseeable future. It's a it's called Nightcap Live. It's a collaboration with Flaviar and a studio called Collider. The next one we're going to do is next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. That's 8 p.m. Eastern. Show lasts about an hour. You can access it on the Flaviar Facebook or YouTube channel or on the Collider Facebook or YouTube channel. It's a lot of fun. We're going to have a guest. Don't know who that's going to be yet. We give out prizes. Uh, you know, and just try to have a little distraction for you in these in these times, these troubled times. Um, another distraction is actually today, if you're listening to it on the day this podcast went up, which is April 3rd. Uh, Jack Daniels is doing a virtual Friday night happy hour uh, with country music star Chase Rice. Uh, he's going to per- be performing a set from his home to benefit the Sweet Relief Musician Fund's COVID-19 fund. Uh, the Sweet Relief, uh, Relief Musicians Fund is a nonprofit uh, that for 24 years they've been offering assistance to professional musicians and industry workers in need, and obviously a lot of them are in need right now, and they created this special COVID-19 fund. Um that's going to air live on Rice's Instagram and both Jack Daniels and Rice's Facebook pages. Again, that's Friday, April 3rd uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. 
He, it's a virtual concert. He's going to do acoustic performances, including his top 25 single, Lonely If You Are, off his uh, recent album, the album part one, it's called. And he's going to do a little sneak peek of some new stuff that he's got going. All right? I'm like, stuffy. That scares me. Help. Uh, I want to throw out kudos. You know, you're probably aware of this. If you're, you're into the drinking community, you're into this, that a lot of distilleries have now converted their facilities to make hand sanitizer. And I think that's great that they're doing it. And I just wanted to give a shout out to, to a few of the ones. By no means is this a complete list. This is just a couple of the ones that I know of. And I just want to give them a little credit for, for doing that and uh, pitching in in a time of great need for hand sanitizer. So Old Forester's doing that, Woodford Reserve, Rabbit Hole Distillery, Catoctin Creek, Silent Pool Gin, Iron Smoke, Savage and Cook, Bacardi, Crowbar, the New York Distilling Company, and Corsair. And then also Diageo, which is a behemoth, and they own so many brands. Uh, Diageo is also converting numerous distilleries in their uh, their portfolio to to make hand sanitizer. So thanks to everybody out there, our friends in the industry that are pitching in and helping out. As always, I'm going to remind you to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the Imbiber, T-H-E-I-M-B-I-B-E-R. Oh, don't don't get stuffy, Dan. Uh, you know, liquor sales were up in March by 33% over last March. That's insane. People are drinking while they're quarantining, that's for sure. And so I wanted to give you a little heads up. The, the 2020 San Francisco World Spirits Competition was held in San Francisco a few weeks back. I guess they got in right under the gun uh, before the quarantine. Uh, I was supposed to be there, uh, judge. I'm a judge at the competition, and I was supposed to do a celebrity panel with Lars Ulrich and Walton Goggins, but I couldn't make it, uh, and neither could the guys. So, but it did happen. I had 3,000 entries from all over the world, and the results just came out. And I wanted to give you a couple of the ones that jumped out at me in case you're looking for stuff to buy while you're home on uh, social distancing. The best in show whiskey. That is the very best whiskey of all of them chosen by this distinguished panel of judges was the Glendronic Revival 15-year-old single malt scotch. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a revered whiskey among connoisseurs, and uh, they, this has been around for a while. They re-released it in 2018 after about three years of not being around that particular expression. And it's just, it's got sherry wood maturation. It's just a beautiful, beautiful whiskey. Uh, and it's 90, about 93 bucks a bottle. So the Glendronic Revival 15-year-old, okay? The best in show unaged white spirit was Defiance Navy Strength Gin. That's from Manchester, England. Uh, the, the Navy Strength, obviously a little bit more potent than the usual one. This is 57% alcohol. It's got some cardamom spice, a little bit of pine in there, some citrus, uh, it's it's a beautiful one and it's got a nice long finish to it. It's fifty dollars for that for that gin. The best blended, not best in show, but best blended malt Scotch whiskey was Compass Box, the Spice Tree Scotch, and that's sixty eight dollars a bottle. The best small batch bourbon aged six to ten years was our old friends at Barrel Bourbon, batch twenty one, ten year old cash strength. 90 bucks a bottle. Joe Beatrice and his team over there at Barrel are doing a great job. I love it. One of my favorites. And the best vodka, I know people like vodka, Organica Life Vodka out of Russia, 40% alcohol, only 32 bucks a bottle for Organica Life Vodka. That was the best vodka at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Oh, and the best cream dairy liqueur, Wayne Gretzky number 99 Canadian Cream Liqueur. 
out of Ontario, Canada. I've not, I've not had it. Okay. It's 35 bucks a bottle, 17% alcohol, but Wayne Gretzky, it's Wayne Gretzky's cream liqueur. It's gotta be the greatest because Wayne Gretzky's the greatest, right? I don't know. Try it. So then you got that stuff, my friends. Uh, and, uh, what else? Uh, you know, I'm excited to talk to Aisha Tyler, uh, in just a little bit. I, you know what? I think we should almost just get to that. Um, uh, let me, uh, let me run. Oh, we got to pay the bills a little bit here. Let me pay some bills. Support for what we're drinking with Dan Dunn comes from Manscaped, the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Listen, folks, when it comes to dating, it's a jungle out there. But when you do find someone who wants to take you home, you better make sure it's not a jungle down there. That's why I use Manscaped a revolutionary electric trimmer that makes accidents a thing of the past. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Take my word on this. No, seriously, you don't want to Google snag your nuts. It's going to take you down a dark road. Another reason to get Manscaped is that you don't want to use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Oh, and Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not use it on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DRINKING at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code DRINKING. And always use the right tools for the job. Always use Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Hey, this is best-selling author Joel Stein, and you're listening to average-selling author Dan Dunn. Oh, that Joel Stein's a funny one, isn't he? Speaking of funny, Aisha Tyler, she is a comedian and an actress and a director and a talk show host and a lot of other things, an author. She's everything. Uh, she played Andrea Marino and the Ghost Whisperer, Dr. Tara Lewis in Criminal Minds. She's Mother Nature in all those Santa Claus films. And of course, she voices Lana Kane on Archer. Uh, she also got recurring roles on CSI and she back in the day on Friends. Uh, she hosted, she was a co-host on the CBS's The Talk and she won a Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Entertainment Talk Show Host. Um, she did Whose Line Is It Anyway? But my personal favorite credit of Aisha Tyler's is the host of Talk Soup, where yours truly was a writer on that staff. I was writing jokes for Aisha, and she was making me look good by delivering them with humor and gusto. So yeah, uh, I'm going to hop on a, uh, a FaceTime chat with Aisha right now, and uh, let's give it a listen. Wow, look at you. Look at you. Look at me. <laughs> Through the computer screen. There you are. It's exciting to see your face. I'm, I, I know I look like I have on sunglasses, but my seeing eyeglasses, because I'm old, are also uh, the ones that... I love that I just lost you for a second right there. I'll fill in what she was going to say. What, can you hear me? You broke up. You're back? Oh, oh yes. And you know what? Uh, if, it, if, it gets, if it gets ugly, we can restart and I can try to get on a different network. To, yeah. How do you feel? I think that right, was. Am okay. I sounding okay? I think you sound good. You're a little okay, good. Yeah. Um, what I was saying was, I know I look like a maniac, but um, my seeing, my actual seeing eyeglasses are also um, they turn dark in the sun, so I, I look, I talk, constantly look like I'm trying to mimic Lenny Kravitz in public. But I, these are my actual. I, eyeglasses. I knew you always wanted to be Bono. 
And now, oh, now always, always weird old douchebag with sunglasses on at four o'clock in the afternoon indoors. Yeah, totally. So as I, I mentioned in the intro, Aisha and I worked together at Talk Soup. Well, I worked for her. She was the we worked. She together. was the show. She was the we talent. Um, and it was a it was a, a really I loved that time there. I felt like it was boot camp for me because it was. we didn't make any money. Uh, you did. I mean, you made all the money, but I didn't make any money. I did not make a lot of money in that job. No, I, I, I mean, I think that I made like a, cor- I made like the equivalent of like a, mi- a mid-level corporate uh, person in a cubicle. I mean, it was my first real TV job. So um, yeah, I mean, sure. I'm not going to like be like boo-hoo, boo-hoo me, yeah. but, um, but I, but it wasn't like a big money job. It was just, it was just like a fun, happy But it job. was a great stepping stone because, you know, for those of you who don't know, like the very first host of Talk Soup was Greg Kinnear. And then John Henson and Hal Sparks and then Aisha and, and everybody, as we know, when Hal Sparks won the Oscar last year, everybody has gone on to you. <laughs> Sorry, Hal. Look at me. Look at me. In, in time of but pandemic. Then Joel, but then Joel McHale came back and, and, yeah. and revived it and uh, revived the show and has done very well for himself. And now there's a new girl doing it. And I don't know her name because I'm a terrible person. I don't get it. Uh, anymore, so. and well, no, no, nobody, nobody watches E, but I, but I'm still happy for her. And now I actually really want to like, look her name up yeah. while we're talking while um, we're on the because, uh, yeah, like while we're on the computer, but I'll we, act we like had I'm a great time. I mean, we did the other thing that we, we got to do a lot of cool stuff. Uh, when we were there, we went to Aspen. That was a very fun trip. We did a lot of really cool stuff when that show, Oh, her name is Jade Cata Preta. Uh, I don't know. I don't know her. I think she's a standoff. She seems very cute. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, good luck. Good luck to her. I hopefully, hopefully, look, I'll say I'll, it's been a long time. Hopefully the people that are running that network now are different than when we were there because when we were there, they were total fucking jackals. Well, the guy that ran the network, he was a sweetheart. Remember when he came in and fired us? You, you could <laughs> not, like, this guy came in, I'm not going to say his name. He came in, he sat down, he, I remember he crossed his legs. I don't think he had a, a cashmere sweater wrapped around his neck, but he Probably in my mind he did because it was like that sweater set yeah. like the polo yeah the yeah like that cashmere sweater. and he just but with this with the sleeves like folded around each other yeah tied, that's it but, like tucked yeah. and he was just he was lounging in the chair and he looked so fucking bored right like I can't believe I have to come in here and fire all these people right and like, it was my day and it was unexpected know, like we had yeah. no idea this was coming right and let me, uh, let me contextualize how much we didn't know. Yeah. For months, they had been telling us, you're going to get a new set, you're going to get a new time slot, you're going to get a new look for the show, we're going to move you to a better, we're going to move you behind, they were going to put us behind, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, oh God, you know, the really tall guy with the crazy hair. I'm Howard really Stern. a terrible human being. Howard Stern. Yeah. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't like we were languishing and we knew something, like, you know, when you're in a bad relationship and like no one's talking, you're like, you know, the end is coming. They were actively courting us. Yeah. The reason that the soup is called the soup is because I, I I never do this. I'm not one of these people, but like I, I'm going to own this completely because it's true. I started calling the show The Soup when I started hosting it. Then they said, we want you to reboot the show in a new format with a new focus on like not just talk shows, but like reality. We worked on making this new show called The Soup. Oh, I worked on it too. Yeah. You I remember. Know. We yeah. all worked on it together. We created this new show called The Soup that was going to be less focused on talk shows, more focused on like social media and reality shows. And then, and they were like, we're going to move you behind Howard Stern. We're going to give you more time. We're going to give you more money. And then they canceled us. Then they, so of course it was a fucking surprise. And the funniest was they, he came in and I remember cause it was a Thursday and he said, 
it wasn't like, hey, guys, you know, this was the flagship show for a long time at E. It was the only for show that ever got an Emmy time. nomination. It's the show most people first came to know E by was was Talk Soup. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. came in and he said, um, you can do a last show if you want or not. If you want. Or it's over. You can do and one last show. Thank God for you, Aisha. You said, yeah, no, we'll do a show. And showed up the next day with a case of champagne. <laughs> and we did that thing in the morning. And I think all of us were pretty, pretty we're bombed loose. by the time we, we got absolutely on. Lit. But I, I mean, that was a ten, that was a ten, that was a decade long, like you said, it was like a, a, a keystone show for that network. It was what put them on the map. And then the unceremonious, and like it was unceremonious, but like look, frankly, I I was the talent. Like I knew I was going to get another job, but he boned, he boned, they boned the shit yeah. out of the staff on that show. There were writers who stopped, like literally left the business after that because no one had an opportunity. Like give us a month, let everybody go out and like find a new job. These people had mortgages and kids. It was like so disrespectful. Well, I, the people that left the business, better. you know what I did? I decided to write a book. I got into mm-hmm. the lucrative world of book writing. We can oh, go yes. there too. And by the way, later Aisha and I will be, bitching about the our we, we were on the same imprint and we had the same publicist and I remember going I would kill that motherfucker if I saw him but we'll go to that later we're angry now we're, we're angry in quarantine we're but, uh, locked in we're but, drunk we're, like day drinking yeah, quarantine. day drinking I knew that I knew talk soup was over I mean the beginning of the end which was really really funny though was there was a sketch Oh, yeah, yeah. That I, and by the way, I, some, somehow people thought I wrote this, and I didn't write I'll it. I'll never take it back, Dan. Yeah. It was funny then, and it's funny now. So it was a it was it involved a Raggedy Ann doll and Tickle Me Elmo, and Elmo was up Raggedy Ann's dress, and we ran this sketch. It was funny then, and yeah. it is funny now. And when I describe it to people, not not there's not one human being that I described that sketch to who didn't laugh their ass off. All right, let's hear it. It was, was the it? new tickle because tickle me Elmo was like the rage. Remember, like you couldn't find it if you went like Toys R Us, which is also defunct now. Um, uh, like you couldn't find that doll. It was like the whatever, like the I don't know anything about dolls, but you know it was a big it was a big bad deal. And we got it. We got one, and then we put Raggedy Ann on his face, and she said some, you know, essentially some version. Well, of he vi- he it vibrated. Was not that. He vibrated. Yeah. That was what it was. He was laughing and, and so, giggling. And so Elmo was saying somebody did the Elmo voice. Was like Elmo doesn't like it here. It's dark. I can't see. <laughs> and and Raggedy Ann goes, "Shut up, bitch." <laughs> yeah, it was great. It's and, so funny. And it took all of about five minutes. Uh, for after that aired for the Disney Corporation or whoever owned Raggedy Ann to say, um, yeah, we're, we are shutting, fucking, we're pulling all of our advertising. Who owned E then? It was, was it Disney? Somebody owned E that was. I have no idea. And they were, I it was this massive thing. So, but it, the thing about it that got really funny was they, assi- and this, this should have been its own TV show. They assigned these lawyers to us. It was like, oh, this was the God. crackdown. And it so the, was here was so the idea. Punishing. So the lawyers, now what would happen is normally you'd have a writer's room and we would go in and we'd pitch our jokes and Aisha would come in and we'd, we'd all decide, what, you know, ultimately to say live with you. But it was like, the final say was with you, but it's like what the jokes are going to be. So now what ended up happening was every time we'd come in, the lawyers would come into the room and they'd be sitting mm-hmm. in the writer's room, which I mm-hmm. just didn't belong there. They weren't funny. And so mm-hmm. we had to really work hard to come up with things that were 
with coded language, a lot of coded language. Like there was right, like, right, like right. I remember we, we did a dirty a lot of stuff past. Well, them. there was they were very literal. It wasn't just that they weren't funny. Like they didn't understand the mechanics of comedy. Like they didn't understand irony or double entendres or or uh, sarcasm. So remember we did something about uh, not Jeremy Irons, but. Um, Oh, what's his name? I literally cannot remember anything. Um, you know, the crazy conservative guy that's mad at everybody all the time and super James Woods. So, um, so that one the one the guy that's dating middle schoolers. So uh <laughs> guys, that was that was irony. Don't don't don't, don't send me a letter. So uh, we did a joke about James Woods in a loincloth. And they were like, Is there is there a photo of James Woods in a loincloth? Can we see it so we know that it's backed up by evidence? And we were like, No, no. Like literally the answer to you is, is like a, a firm and everlasting no, because we can never speak because we don't speak the same language. And we're, uh, this is, uh, this conversation is over. Like yeah. they were just the there worst. Was so, uh, there was a thing back in the, I don't know if it's still a thing, but it was called like the, the dirty, the pink sock. And apparently it was a reference to, it was a sexual thing where if a you got, sock. if you got your ass, if you got your ass fucked so much that your innards of your ass would come out. <laughs> And it would it looked like a pink sock hanging from your ass, and this was a thing back then. And so we wrote this joke about, and we made it seem like we wrote the pink sock. I just remember having to defend it, and I was in the room. We did like a lot of Detroit hot plates. And yeah, it's dirty, dirty Sanchez. Sanchez that's too. So the, if you didn't know what they were, there was no Urban Dictionary by at that time. You couldn't look it up really. But this is how yeah. bad it was. I remember like trying making it up on the spot, and he's going, "What is the pink sock?" And I said. Well, the joke is like, see, she's got that red shirt on there. You know, the woman in the clip has a red shirt. So she she washed this shirt with the white laundry. I'm just making this. And it makes absolutely no sense. I'm like, she's washing her. And, you know, then the pink sock comes out. And then the pink sock is like, she doesn't realize the pink sock's hanging off her butt, you know, and she doesn't oh get God. it. And they're like, okay, that's, I mean, it couldn't be any less funny what I just described. And right, they're going, right, oh, yeah, right. that works for us. And we're like, okay, we got the uh, we, we got the protracted asshole joke in. Now what's next? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I will say this: like in retrospect, like Talk Soup was the show that put that network on the map. And at the time, they were transitioning from what they were then to what they are now. Uh, when I look back, what I realize is that that network was never brave enough to actually have a real comedy show on it. No. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't. You know, it's it's a show that like. I mean, it's a network that, you know, curries favor with celebrities. And so, like, it, you, you, by its very nature, it can't be edgy. Like, we couldn't make fun of anybody because the next day the network would be, like, begging them to come on the news or something like don't that. You think so the, don't we you think the evolution, news. though, of that, Aisha, I think it, when mm. it evolved is when it went from being almost strictly clips from Jerry Springer and Maury and all that, it started to evolve to things that involve celebrities, like, you know, some mm-hmm. of the shows. And once that happened... That's when they got really worried about what we would do. Mm-hmm, when, when you're making fun yeah. of when you're making fun of you know the hoi polloi on the Jerry Springer show, right? Nobody right, cares, you know, because, sure. and they don't care. They don't know either. Right, but once right. it once it started to veer into the world of celebrity, they got real skittish. They were like, oh. We might not be able to get her to talk to Ryan Seacrest, you know. It's just an earnest network. You know yeah. what I mean? They're just there. They trade in earnestness. And, and you know, I mean, that's probably why I mean, like Joel, Joel's insanely funny. I remember like the last year that we were there, I watched a pilot that he did for some other network. This is like there was no kind of like overlap between like my life at, at E and Joel's because, you know, it's a bunch of time transpired. But I just remember thinking like this guy's insanely funny. 
And then I was like super happy for him when I got the job. And, you know, I think that the, the show lasted as long as it did because of Joel's sustained kind of like combination of like hilarity and I don't give a fuckness. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and it's, and that's naturally, you know, I, someone can, you know, at me online, but like, I just think like no matter how many women work over at E, it's kind of naturally like a, a, a it's just a, it, they just like guys over there. You know what I mean? Like when I got that job, I kind of got that. They weren't ever going to hire me for that job. I auditioned for it. The tape was really good. It was circulating at E for six months. And everyone's like, no, a girl can't do a show like this. A girl could never host a show like this. This is never going to work with a girl. And then I, they just gave me one shot. Like they were giving all these celebrities like a week on the air. They gave me one episode and the fan mail was so effusive that they were kind of What's she saying now? Because I lost her for a second. Oh, we lost you for a second. Oh, where where did you lose me? You were, uh, you just keep going. (laughs) Oh, anyway. So like, you know, all these, when I finally got my one shot at like just hosting one show on the air, it was the fan mail that got me that job. It wasn't the executives believing in me. And I remember having this conversation with the exec. He's like, yeah, like, how is this going to work? Like you're, girl and you're like a black girl like your guy's gonna watch you're a black girl how's that gonna work like he literally like he earned he was like how is this like do the guys that even like you do they even listen to it was i was just like oh so like you know they they went back to kind of their their natural habitat with joel but joel was great and joel is great and he's one of the funniest people that i know and i was thrilled that the show had a second life and i'm happy it's having a third life it's just that like that network isn't cool enough no. to have a comedy show. It just isn't. By the way, do you at all miss the days when executives could say, but you're a black girl. How's this going to work? Oh God, I would love to go oh. back to the times when I had to explain my appeal yes. to some, some mid-level dude in a <laughs> ill-fitting suit. You're a black girl. I would love, literally, like, how's that going to work? Like, are white guys even going to watch the no. show? I was like, I don't know. You know what else he went down? You're blocking the bar. He went downhill mm-hmm. when Ted Koppel left too. When, remember when, mm-hmm. he, yeah. When, I mean, after, you know, got rid of that. So, now let's move on to bitching about our publicist. No, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, I want to tell you this, by the way. We are drinking, Aisha and I are drinking, and we are drinking, do you call it Courage and Stone or Courage Plus? Courage and Stone. Courage, courage and Stone. Courage and Stone. Courage and Stone. Yeah. This has been gestating for 17 years. I remember talking yes, about this. my entire adult life. Before I, I met her. I started working on it in 2014. I got my VC partner in 2015. Um, we really kind of incorporated in 2016 and then it's take, it took us from then to now to get the formulas right. And then to get the government licensing, because, um, it's a relatively new category. This like, like premium ready to drink category there when, when we were starting, there weren't a lot of ready to drink beverages out there. And, um, so it just took us a long time to kind of get, get it right and then get the approvals and you know there's nobody really running the government right now well, so you i mean you took longer. you were serious about it I, rem- I remember years ago i was at tales of the cocktail in new orleans and tales of the cocktail is one of the biggest cocktail festivals in the world probably the biggest in america and what do i see i look over and who's standing there Aisha Tyler. I was. Like, I know that was a big surprise. Were we in the lobby of a hotel at the Hotel Monteleone, and I you That's were right. you were in you were checking out some some various tinctures and things, and I, was, I and like I looked over table. and I had to, really had to almost like rub my eyes because I was probably drunk, and I'm like, oh, we were both so that looks like Aisha Tyler. I remember she that can't be here. vividly. Yeah, Dan. Th- so I don't know if that was my first. I think that was my first tales. And I had made some friends in the spirits. I have a lot of friends that are bartenders. And um, I was in New York drinking with some of them. And I, they introduced me to some brand managers. I think at Pernod Ricard or maybe at Well, you knew, Simon, you knew Simon Ford, right? 
I knew Simon and I knew the guys at Attaboy and I knew the guys at PDT. Like I knew, I, you know, mainly because I drank at those places yeah. because I'm a professional, a very classy lush. You? Um, and they were all like, are you coming to Tales? I, Cause I, I was like, I'm developing this cocktail line. They're like, are you coming to Tales? And I was like, I don't know what that is. And they were all like, calm down. Uh, and I went on my own and I was like, I'm not going to know anybody at this thing. This is so dumb. <laughs> and I knew everyone. Yeah. I, what, what does it say about me that I knew everybody at this thing? Well, you and I, do you um, remember the night we ended up at the Tipitina's? Mm-hmm. And I remember looking up on the stage and I'm like, why is Jim Belushi up there? But you know, this oh kind God. of thing happens. That's, Jim Belushi's playing. That's what happens, I think yeah. we might've been overserved that night as well. And then we ended up at some I, gala at an, it was in a museum or something. I know it was, you in, the, and, it was in the aquarium. You and I it went. Was the closing, yeah. It was the closing night gala in the aquarium. Yeah. I mean, I've done tales now, I think three or four times. And what I remember most about that other, other than my crushing four day hangover was, um, this is hard to explain, but I think people will understand. Like I love bartenders. I love them. I was a bartender in college and in, so you I went, San, did you go to for, school in San Francisco? And no, I went to Dartmouth in New Hampshire, and I, I bartended oh, at Peter Christian's, which is yeah, not there anymore. But, Dartmouth, it's um, a community college in New Hampshire. It's, yes, it's very, yes, it's very easy to get into, and, and, and very diverse. Uh, so I, um, I, I remember going to this again, like, I'm not going to know anybody, I'll be by myself, and like, that'll be fine, I'm okay. But I, I travel so much for work, and I would always be alone in bars, and I'd always be, I'd eat at the bar, I'd sit up at the bar. And I remember at being at Tales and being like, oh God, like, so many of my, my singular dining experiences were made better by some friendly, easygoing, honestly kind-hearted bartender who didn't just make me a drink and didn't just like make small talk to be polite, but like really was like, yeah, tell me about yourself. And I, I would have these great conversations with these guys. And I was like, well, why? Why do you have good conversations with bartenders? Because for the most part, bartenders are relatively self-selecting. They're people who like to make other people happy. They want to ask you what you want. They want to make you what you want. They want you to enjoy your night. Of course, they want you to tip. But a function of tipping is that you enjoyed yourself. And you know when you have a, when a bartender makes you a great drink and you love it, like you see that they love that they made you something that you enjoyed. And that's why like... You caught the bug. You caught the bug there though for, to, to want to do something like Courage and Stone. Because I drunk so many bars on my own and I get home to my apartment I'm like shit all I have is like a half a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc and a, a you know veggie burrito so I started batching my own drinks to keep in my fridge so that I wouldn't have to make a mess when I wanted to drink on a Wednesday night I, would, I just was making Negronis and keeping them in like in a swing top bottle in my fridge and, um, and I thought man it'd be so great if you could just buy a bottle of Negronis in the store and that's literally how Courage and Stone so this born. one I'm drinking right here is the classic Manhattan okay mm-hmm. and it's in so a we, really we, beautiful bottle who did your bottle these bottles are gorgeous yeah I developed it just with my with my creative team and um I with the UTA brand studio they're incredible guys over there and uh we we've already won awards but we won awards for the bottle and the design before the product ever came out which was pretty amazing well, but I wanted something that felt really substantial and that you could set on your bar and it would look and feel like a like a decanter so we've yeah. got a glass uh, cork. You know, you can cap and recap the bottles, thermoprinted, so you can sink it in ice or keep it in the fridge, and the um, condensation in the water is not going to ruin the label. I'm going to take a picture of this um, with you. Yeah, you can put it. Yeah, you can put it in a big bowl of ice at a party, or you can keep it in your fridge, take it out, put it back, take it out, put it back, and it's never going to make the bottle look like shit. Um, and that bubby right there, you can slide in your pocket and take it to a party. It's a very nice flask size bottle um, that plays like a flask, I think. Well, 
Taking pictures yeah, here. So I went to the photos. I went to the fake launch. Remember the fake launch party? At the oh, there were a lot of those. There was a fake launch. We call launch. those activations, Dan. We call those activations. <laughs> that was like three years ago. I remember. Aisha it was in said, 2016. It Aisha's was like, you got to come to the airport, right? And I, and yeah. I said, all right. I went to. I mean, to tell like people that don't live in L.A. the level of commitment I have to this friendship to oh, yes, voluntarily to go, to go to the airport when I'm not flying anywhere. I was like, wait, you mean LAX? You're like, yeah. Also, it was, it was a, it was a high level of day drinking. It was like 1030 in the morning. Oh, and it was, but it was cool. It was what's his name was there from key and peel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Michael key. And that was such a great thing to meet yeah, him. It was so fun. And I was so happy for you. I'm like, this is going to go, this is going to be amazing when it comes out four years from now. And- <laughs> not to yada yada the story, but like what, what you were drinking at the time were like my original prototypes that I was making in my home. Um, they, they were what I used to, find my VC partner and what we used to launch the product. And we submitted, the, then we had to f- find a way to match those, the flavors at scale. Like we had to find a company that would build a packet of like, essentially I made a cake and then we had to find a company that could get eggs and butter and sugar and flour and make a cake that tasted just like my cake. But their components had to be Whole Foods compliant, no stabilizers, no colors, no garbage. So we had to find a company that would do that for us. And then they had to make sure that their cake tasted exactly like my cake. That took a very long time. We went, there are a lot of insane people in the in the booze industry. Not not loopy, not crazy, insane. Sure. And without naming names, we got in bed with a guy who, when we went to his house, he was like setting off stick, sticks of dynamite in his backyard. <laughs> we got in bed with a guy who we developed. We went all the way down the road with him, and then he pulled out at the last minute. Like we just we, we had another we had several people who like wanted to do it. And then when it came time to scale up, they like, it was too much work for them. It was too hard for them. And then when we finally got the formulas right, where they tasted the way that I wanted them to taste, we submitted them to the government and just didn't hear anything, just didn't hear anything. And for, it typically took like six to 12 weeks. We didn't hear anything for a year and a half. Was this, was this Obama or Trump? This was end of Obama, beginning of Trump. Okay. Because, I mean, um, I, I, it had to be Obama's fault because, you know, the Trump administration, uh, well, everything everything's is, running smoothly it? under the Trump everything administration. Is. Everything How is. are you doing, by the way, in your quarantine? Uh, I love it. I mean, <laughs> I it's, it. It, it, I, look, I'm a little bit of a prepper, so I've been ready for this for a very long time. I have go bags in my house, go bags in my car. I had gloves and masks back in, like, you know, 2016. So um, I've, I've been prepared. Food, I have food stores for I've tried food stores for two years. So I was ready for all of this. Um, and mainly what I've been doing, um, because I, I, you know, when I'm not acting, I'm a writer and I, I'm developing creatively is just reading and writing and doing this with people. I do a happy hour twice a week that's focused on a different COVID focused charity. So I drink online with people to raise money for charities that are focused on helping vulnerable communities during this crisis. So maybe I love it isn't the right word, but like, it's exciting to me to find a way to be of service. And if I was doing a TV show, I wouldn't have the bandwidth to be thinking all the time about what can I do that does meaningful charitable work. So right now I've got, we've all been like, all of us, I know you're like, God, it would be so great to hit the pause on my life for a couple of weeks. I'm like, clean my apartment, do my laundry, organize my drawers, donate to charity, maybe volunteer, check in on my mom, check in on my friends. And I know there are a lot of people who are really suffering during this crisis. So I'm not trying to minimize that, but it has been interesting for me to be able to devote almost all of my free time to raising money for other people's charities. And a lot of them have been, um, so, so we've been doing meals on wheels, 
um, Feeding America, the International Rescue Committee, the Red Cross, and then we've been doing two bartender and restaurant-focused charities. One is the Bar U.S. Bartenders Guild, which is helping support out-of-work bartenders, um, keeping them there if they have medical support, you know, insurance support, also just keep keeping them alive and fed. You've probably seen the hashtag tip your bartenders. And then um, Chef Edward Lee just started another initiative. Oh, called, I, know, right? I think it's called the, the, the Lee Initiative, which is m focused on restaurant workers overall. So servers, bartenders, dishwashers, busboys, everybody in the restaurant industry, literally just giving them free food and free essential supplies. And it, they're in like major cities across the country. It just launched yesterday. I pushed it out on my socials today. So yeah, where do people you know, go if they want to get information? What, what's your... So you can come to me at Aisha Tyler on all social platforms. I've pushed that out on every single, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on, on uh, Tumblr. Um, and the two ones that are focused on the work on the restaurant workers industry are the U.S. Bartenders Guild and the Lee Initiative, L-E-E Initiative. Um, and they're really important. And, and, you know, for all of us that like, I don't cook. I mean, I eat in restaurants all the time. And they're a big part of my life. And I was a bartender and I was a waitress and I know how shitty that life is and how little money they make. So, you know, for me to try to do anything I can to make sure that these people aren't, you know, they live paycheck to paycheck. They're living tip to tip. When I was a bartender and waitress, I was making $1.90 an hour. I lived on tips. If I didn't get tipped, I didn't eat. So to try to find a way to keep these people afloat through whatever this ends up looking like for however long it lasts is really important to me. I was just going to say, I'm looking forward to hanging out with you at some point, probably in 2021, uh, <laughs> when, when we get through this. You, uh, you are, it is pretty incredible to me to think about the stop it is for you, because I don't know many people in this business that work harder than you do. You do, at one point I remember reaching out to you, because we were going to do this a while ago, mm -hmm. and I think it was the the... the Talk was ending, and and thank uh, you for being patient with me. By the no, way, no, taken a long you, time. I remember, so I actually, you, you and I actually spoke, and I could hear the stress in your voice that you were so exhausted because you were doing a lot of things, and that's admirable. By the way, I, I, I love that quality that you, you know, you're working, man. Like you're not, you know, there's not a moment when you're, you're sitting back, but. So this must be. That comes from growing up poor, Dan. It's me and you both. That's what I say. <laughs> I'm I, confident this is going to end at any minute. Uh, you know, <laughs> this year was going to be a, looking like a really good year for me in terms of, and it'll be fine. I'm doing fine. But what was funny was even when I had all of these sort of really good, you know, I got, you know, you and I've talked, you know, we have script things going and whatnot too. Yeah. And, but I, exactly. I still like a magazine, like a website would reach out to me and say, do you want to do this piece for $300? And I'd go, all right, I'll do it. And I'm like, yeah, I, don't, I yeah. don't need $300, right? I mean, I don't need it, but I'm like, this is way more work than I should be doing for $300. Well, you're just so panicked that the work I can't is say no. Up. I'm like, I can't going. say no. Absolutely. You know, by the way, that's what I made at Talk Soup a week, $300. Um, oh, geez. But by the way, to be fair, it was in 1992. <laughs> that's true. It was a long time ago. He was, he was practicing. No, it was, two, it was 2000. 2001. 2001. 20 it was right before 9/11, and we're uh, hundred thousand dollars in today's dollars. <laughs> where you uh, you coined my nickname that st sometimes still Puka comes. Puka Dan. Puka Dan. Puka Dan. I, Dan used to wear a little puka shell necklace like that guy <laughs> at Theta Delt from college. It was like it, it was like halfway between jewelry and choking him to death. He was he was he was trying to go out like Michael Hutchins, just masturbating and getting slowly choked to death by his necklace. And I just called him Puka Dan. And, I, and she would, you would call me that on the show, and my mom. <laughs> I had no clue about anything, and my mom would say, "Who's, who's, who's Poopy Dan?" I'm like, "It's not who's Poopy, this Dan. Poopy Dan." Poopy Dan. Why does he have Puka. a pink sock? 
<laughs> yeah, why is it got a pink sock? Those were the days. I, uh, I'm. It, it's so good to talk to you. And in terms of Courage and Stone, how can people get it now? Like they're in. Absolutely. So um, what's exciting is we're, now that we're finally kind of ramped up into market, you, there's lots of ways to get it. You can just go to courageandstone.com. We ship to 40 states. Uh, in these uh, in these United States of America, uh, so and the, and I know this sounds like a like a sales pitch, but the more you buy, the cheaper it is because because it's alcohol because it's heavy. If you just get a couple of bottles, the shipping cost is actually really high. But if you go up to six bottles, I think shipping is a dollar. So stock up for the apocalypse, everybody. Uh, and that's really we are we're not making any money in the shipping. We're just passing on those costs to people. But the more that they buy, the less that it costs us to ship because it's just one shipment, and we pay a premium for alcohol shipping. So buy a lot of booze, save a lot of money. And, and I should um, say right now, it's great. By the way, I need to let oh, everybody know you. that I oh, thank you. I think it's delicious. I'm I'm sipping it right now, and, and the old the old fashioned. What's great about them is they're really really different profiles. The Manhattan is very chocolatey and dark, and the old fashioned is a classic, fruity old fashioned. I'm really proud of them. It took us a long time to get here because I'm I'm very exacting, and I wanted these to taste not just good but singular, right? So like ours doesn't taste like anybody else's, and that was a lot of work. But I'm really I'm really pleased with that. And then uh, if you live in LA or in, if you live in California, in the state of California, or the state of New York. You can have the booze delivered to your house. By Aisha Tyler herself. By me, personally. I will walk it up to your... I will fully sanitize. <laughs> I will wear a mask and gloves. Uh, and I will stand six feet away from She's you. She's been waiting for this moment all of her life. And Who's that in hazmat suit? Who's? I will imagine that you are that executive at E that canceled my show, and I will fling <laughs> balls at you. Um, you can get it delivered to your house from Minibar and Drizzly, and also in California from K&L, uh, K&L Wines. So um, lots of ways to find it, but um, CurzonSnow.com uh, will answer all your questions. And if you follow me at Aisha Tyler on, on all the social platforms, I can answer your questions there as well. Amazing. By the way, don't you think Drizzly sounds like something like an old guy would need to see a urologist about? You yes. Know? Do you think yes, that came up in any of the meetings? Yes. I got a bad case of Drizzly. And then, uh, you know, or, and then you got some dry sack, you know. Or you, yes. Or, or there's the guy, like, he's like, he's like slumped over. Oh, we lost Aisha again for a second. Hold on. Come back. Come back to us. <laughs> the internet went out. The internet went out. Well, we're, we're almost done anyway. I, uh, I wanted to uh, thank you, of course. It's so good to see your face. Uh, I wish I was seeing it in person. But we are gonna have, we're gonna drink together so many more times in our lives. We are, um, and uh, and I, I really do. I know this is a, I know this is you know, doing any of this stuff feels a little weird to me, but I think it's cool for people to have a chance to just be able to kick back and do this while also understanding the gravity of the situation that we're in right yeah. now. And uh, you know what? It's times like this to see an old friend makes me feel great. I and, agree. Uh, and uh, that was, that was fantastic. So I agree. Thank you for thank you. doing I'm sorry it. That, I'm sorry that my tech was so bad. I literally, this, this is it. This is when everybody's home, like trying to figure out what they're going to watch on Netflix at the same time. That they it's okay. I, I, I forgive you. And I have strong it's drink good. here to get me through it. Excellent. So that's, that's Aisha Tyler. Uh, and, uh, Thank you. Yay. This is Ed Lee, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn Podcast. Thank you. That was the very Ed Lee, that the chef that Aisha just referenced, who's running a charity thing. Go, go check out Ed's social media, get involved. You want to help out people in the restaurant business. That's going to do it. I apologize for the uh, audio. I'm sure it's probably a mess, that interview, because you know, that's just the way things are these days. But... Hopefully you got to hear most of it. Um, I love Aisha. It's such a great, she's such a great person. 
and she's so talented. And I got to tell you, this Courage in Stone is delicious. I want to thank you guys for being here, and I and I just, I, you know, it's hard to, I don't know, it's hard to uh, fucking end. <laughs> I just want to keep going. Because I don't want to go back to being alone. But I know a lot of you guys are as well. But uh, I'm with you in spirit. And you're with me in spirit. And I appreciate that. Uh, Check you out. We'll do another one in a couple of days. Until then, much love, my friends.